From Audio Boom comes Covert, a new podcast that delves into the murky world of spies, soldiers, and top secret military operations. I'm Jamie Rennell, and together we'll discover the real stories of history's greatest classified missions, told by the operatives, soldiers, and journalists who experienced it firsthand. Follow Covert on Spotify or subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorite shows. Five, four, three, two, one. Cue music. This is Movies First with Alex First and Chris Coleman. Greetings and welcome to what is still movies first, but will also be theatre first with me, Chris Coleman, and this bloke, Alex first. Greetings to you, Alex. So this is much better because then we can separate one from the other. It's all entertainment, but people will know immediately, hey, we are talking about a theatrical production because sometimes the theatrical production has the same name or could have the same name as a movie, correct? Correct. Indeed. So, Faulty Towers Live. It is playing right now at the Comedy Theatre in Melbourne. It will then go to Her Majesty's Theatre in Adelaide from the 26th of October, the Regal Theatre, Perth, 17th of November, and the Playhouse in Brisbane on the 28th of December. And I'll repeat that at the end of this podcast. If you were concerned about how your fond memories of one of the most iconic television sitcoms in history would be translated onto the stage four decades later, I'm here to allay your fears. Excellent. Yes, it is, because I was rather concerned going into Faulty Towers, my favourite television sitcom without any question. I can't believe there are only 12 episodes made. Two series, one in 1975, when John Cleese was married to Connie Booth, and, of course, they were the two original writers... And then another in 1979, and at that point they had split. So, if you go back through history, the British Film Institute in the year 2000 drew up a list of the best British television series of all time. Faulty Towers, as voted by industry professionals, was number one. Would you agree? It would certainly have to be up there. Uh, I, I think for people of... Your age, you're smidgen older than me, Faulty Towers would be there. Then you have things like The Young Ones, which uh, relates to probably people slightly younger. Uh, there would be people who would like The Honeymooners earlier than that. But, look, Faulty Towers certainly would be in the top three or four comedies on TV of all time. I don't think those two would compare, quite frankly. I think they... This is a... I mean, it's kind of like saying what's the greatest movie ever. And, yeah, there is some debate. I don't think... There's too much debate about the worth of Faulty Towers. And I say that my son, who's in his 20s, absolutely adores it as well. So this is kind of like a a multi-generational thing, regardless of when you were born. Kind of like the Beatles, in a sense. Oh, I, I think the Beatles are far, far further ahead of everyone else than Faulty Towers is far of, of, of other TV shows. But, it, look, it, it's an interesting conversation to have. Uh, I think one of the things that Faulty Towers has in its favour uh, is that there were, as you said, just the 12 episodes. And I think that that, you know, the, the, the scarcity, the limited supply uh, gives it that bit of an edge. I'm saddened by that. I agree that less is more, but this is really, really less. And to do this over a four-year period, in any event, the stage play, like 
the television series, is set in a fictional hotel in the seaside town of Torquay, the English Riviera, if you like. The theatrical production has retained all the colourfully drawn characters from TV. Basil Fawlty, played by Stephen Hall, is manic, snobbish, condescending, sycophantic and rude. I'm sure I could use a few other words as well. And he's the natural centrepiece around whom events unfold. His bossy wife, Sybil, blazy best, she with that silly laugh who loves to talk on the telephone, orders her husband around at every opportunity. And she's about to enter hospital to have an ingrown toenail attended to. But first, she causes Basil to turn into a cowering wimp when she drops the news that hotel inspectors may be paying them a visit. And of course, Basil is over eager to impress. He attempts to ingratiate himself to his guests that he suspects are there to critique the establishment. And at the same time, he has to deal with a deaf and dotty guest from hell, Mrs. Richards, played by Deborah Kennedy whose complaints about missing money prevent Basil from hiding a gambling win. He won on a nag from his ever-vigilant wife. I'm not talking about that nag. I'm talking about the <laughs> horses, yes. And the serially forgetful major, Paul Bertram, to whom Basil entrusts his ill-gotten gain, proves to be more of a hindrance than a help. Of course, the situation's further plagued by the arrival of a party of Germans whom Basil proceeds to rile with constant references to... The war! You yes, the war! <laughs> Don't mention the war! I did once, but I think I got away with it. Yes, and thank goodness for Polly, Amy Horn, the unflappable and sensible employee par excellence. Mind you, the same can't be said for Manuel, Sid Brisbane, the hapless Spanish waiter from Barcelona, who's forever the butt of Basil's frustration. So Basil's at it again, trying to run the hotel amidst farcical situations and an array of demanding and eccentric guests. Faulty Towers Live, well, it's a hoot from start to finish. All key performers do an excellent job mimicking both the speech patterns and affectations of those we know and love from television. Physically, they resemble the characters as closely as they can. The hairdos. The, the overall look is remarkable. The set, most impressive two-storey creation by Liz Ascroft with a bedroom upstairs and the reception area and restaurant on the ground level. Triumph as well, channelling the familiarity of television. It was always going to be a challenge, Chris, to bring back such a crowd favourite, particularly as it needed to be turned into a live show that was four times the length of any single episode on the box. You just think about it. We've just had Absolutely Fabulous, which was pretty ordinary, mm. right, in terms of turning it into a television, from going from television into the movies. And you could say that about Sex and the City as well. The first one was okay. Second one was not really okay. And you're stretching something that's 20-odd minutes, 22 minutes, 23 minutes, into something that's 90 minutes or beyond. As I said, this is 100 minutes. Incredible. One of the original writers and its star, John Cleese, who penned Faulty Towers with Connie Booth, has done an absolutely marvellous job taking what are his favourite moments and then turning them into that two hours, including interval, of hilarious and joyful entertainment. And it's really succeeded. Cleese, the director, Caroline J. Ranger, supercast of 15, have succeeded beyond any and all expectations. They've well and truly retained the misadventure, fun and frivolity of Faulty Towers, giving us, well, a riptickling night of entertainment. I will continue to smile about this 
for months, if not years to come. And it is playing right now at the Comedy Theatre in Melbourne, moving to Her Majesty's in Adelaide, 26th of October, the Regal in Perth, 17 November, Playhouse in Brisbane, 28 December. That is Faulty Towers Live. Now, before we go, before we get a score, I, I know people in, who went and saw it during the Sydney season and they have raved about it. You are raving about it as well. Does the fact that what they've been able to do is to take bits and pieces from several much-loved episodes of a much-loved TV series and be able to rework them into, into one contiguous lump, does that help this, uh, help this play along? I don't think it hurts it, and I don't think it helps it. I think it's one of those things that it's enjoyable because it's enjoyable. It's The lines are the same, and it seems to effortlessly move from one to another. So they've done that well. They've, they've pieced it together without it looking like one episode stops and another episode starts. There you go. Give us a score for Faulty Towers. Uh, it's, it's the world premiere, I believe, the world premiere season yep. happening in Australia. So what's the score? Nine out of ten. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. The only thing that could have been better is if the originals were there when they were back in 1970s. That would have been fantastic. But, of course, you can't turn back time, can you? Well, not yet, but we're working on it. Exactly. Thank you very much, Mr First. Uh, Pleasure, Mr Coleman. We'll catch you next time on Movies First, Theatre First, maybe even Travel First. Just watch out for those three podcasts. You've been listening to Movies First with Alex First and Chris Coleman. Subscribe to the full podcast at Audioboom, Stitcher and iTunes or your favourite podcast distributor. This has been another quality podcast production from Bytes.com. Welcome to Mafia, a new podcast telling stories of America's criminal underworld. Gotti assumed the position of head of the Gambino family. And using the name Donnie Brasco, I was able to infiltrate the uh, Bonanno uh, crime family in New York City. Bugsy Siegel is an American mob legend. One man changed the whole texture and landscape of crime in America. Listen to Mafia every Wednesday on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your favorite shows.